I want you this morning just to uh, think through 10 statements I want to give you that all begin, it is okay for a Christian too. And I want you to imagine what you would write down next to each one, whether you are a yes, whether you are a no. Uh, it's imaginary paper, it's imaginary pen, but it's a real answer, please. Um, you don't have to share it. Um, don't think too hard, you won't have time. Just what's your gut instinct? What's your gut answer? It is okay for a Christian to spend more than £100,000 on a car. It is okay for a Christian to get Botox. It is okay for a Christian to get a tattoo. It is okay for a Christian to eat halal meat. It's okay for a Christian to think that the earth is flat. It is okay to go for a Christian to go to a yoga class. It's okay for a Christian to watch an 18-rated film. It's okay for a Christian to smoke, whether that's cigarettes or a cigar or a pipe or a vape. It's okay for a Christian to go to a casino. It's okay for a Christian to celebrate Halloween. I wonder what your answers would be uh, to those 10 statements. And just imagine with me, with your imaginary bits of paper, that you turn to the person behind you and you... It's like going back to school, and you swap answers. You're going to mark each other's work. And, you know, if you were like me at school, you would look at what someone else had written, and you would either be going, yes, because you're absolutely certain that you're right, or you'd suddenly be worried, uh-oh, I think I'm wrong. Or maybe, as you swap your imaginary papers this morning, you are surprised that somebody and the people around you really think those things. Really? Well, if we'd have done this for real, I wonder which of those you would be feeling. And I think I can say with a fair level of confidence this morning that between us, actually, we would have a far broader range of answers than any of us perhaps would, might initially expect. And that's before we start answering questions on gifts of the Holy Spirit, what we believe about the end of the world, what we believe about baptism, what we believe about the Lord's Supper, whether we should go for hymns or a worship song set, uh, what church leadership should look like, what Bible translation we should use, and what colour carpet we should have. Can you just see all the cans of worms that I've just opened and just laid out before us? But they're not to fear, from, or fear about, they're not to flee away from. And what we need to uh, see is how Paul begins... Romans 14. He says, accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. Those 10 statements I got you to think about just a moment ago, well, they're my attempt at coming up with what might be disputable matters amongst us. Things that we as genuine, wholehearted, all-in followers of Jesus might very strongly disagree with each other about. For the Christians in Rome, Paul just picks three, doesn't it? Uh, first one's diet, isn't it? Verse two. People, there's people who anything, and those who are only eating vegetables. Uh, there's there's debate about days. Verse five. Uh, some have a calendar uh, full of lots of special religious days. Others were viewing every day as the same. And some, uh, it's it's drink. Verse twenty one. It it says to those who would drink wine to choose not to drink. And it's at this point I want us to, to pause and just be really clear how verse one, uh, what verse 1 says. It's, it's talking here about disputable matters. 
things that wholehearted, all-in followers of Jesus have a, con- a conviction of conscience about and disagree on. What that doesn't mean is that everything we believe is up for grabs. You know, just as long as we have the name Christian and we think something means it has to be true. That's not quite how it works because there remain, don't they, core gospel truths. Just think where we've been on our journey through Romans over the last couple of years. We've heard about God's wrath against godlessness and uh, that every person, no matter who they are, is a sinner. But that we're justified freely by Jesus. His sacrifice on the cross. A reality that can become ours through faith alone in Jesus. That we have the Holy Spirit pouring into our hearts God's love. And we're loved to live for God now, and we have an undefeatable hope for the future. There are some core gospel truths for us. And alongside the core gospel truths come some core patterns of godliness. Um, that you know, The Christian life can't be approving things that God doesn't approve of. Just think of some of those lists we're given in the New Testament. We can't be about gossip, or disobeying our parents, or envy, or murder, or greed, or theft, or anger, or jealousy. Or sexual immorality, which means any sexual activity outside of marriage, as, as God our Creator has designed it, as, as something that's lifelong, uh, and between one man and one woman. The Church of England, of which St. Luke's is part of, has been going through a process over the last couple of years, kind of, I guess, exploring that last point. What are the different understandings of sex and marriage and relationships? And in that process, there's been a really important recognition that the Church of England and churches, even St. Luke's, at times have had attitudes and cultures that have hurt those who are LGBTQI+. And there is a right call on us to repent and apologize. But alongside this have come plans for prayers for love and faith, so that same-sex relationships might be blessed. And when these prayers were first um, launched, uh, they came with the assurance that the doctrine of marriage in the Church of England wouldn't change. Uh, But a paper produced just this week seems to begin to say something quite different. It says, in making prayers available for same-sex couples in an active sexual relationship, it does involve a departure from doctrine. It nevertheless does not involve a departure from doctrine in any essential matter. Now that sounds to me like many of the bishops in the Church of England saying that the doctrine of marriage, being between one man, one woman, is now a disputable matter. And that seems to be a direction away from the Bible, away from the love that God shows us in Jesus that marriage is a picture of, and from what the Church has taught down through history and around the world. And as I stand here saying that this morning, I am well aware you may not agree with me. And I stand here not expecting you to agree with me necessarily. Whether you're here and you're nodding your head at what I said, whether you're here and you're upset at what I'm saying, or whether you're confused, my prayer for us at St. Luke's Church is that we are a community where anybody, no matter who they are, is welcome and included in what goes on. Whatever life looks like, whoever they are. But at the same time, 
as a community of wholehearted, all-in followers of Jesus, that we are calling each other to live a way of life, the ways of life that Jesus calls us to. There are gospel, core gospel truths. There are core patterns of godliness. And then there is other stuff that is disputable. And that is what Romans 14 gets into. Uh, For the church in Rome, it was diet, days, and drink. For us, it could be a whole range of things. Maybe it was some of those things in the list uh, earlier on. And when it comes to disputable matters, the fact that there is a breadth of belief amongst us, I want to say, is a really good thing. It was a good thing for the church in Rome. It was a good thing for us in Thermby because it means different cultures and backgrounds, different personalities and preferences are being brought together as the people of Jesus. If there are a growing number of disputable matters in the life of the church, it probably means that church has some life in it. It probably means that church is growing and it probably means that church is reaching a whole range of different kinds of people. In Rome, the big cultural difference was was across the Jew-Gentile divide. And it was probably uh, likely that wholehearted, all-in Jewish followers of Jesus are who Paul talks about in verse 1 as those whose faith is weak. It's not Jesus saying that their faith in Jesus is too small, because let's remember, what does Jesus say? Faith the size of a what? A mustard seed moves mountains. It's not to do with the size of your faith, it's to do with who your faith is in. It's not to do with the size of their faith. A rather weak faith is a way Paul descri- of Paul describing those Christians who haven't yet fully grasped all the implications of the freedom that they have in Christ. The freedom they have in the, of life in the Spirit as children of God. So Jewish Christians were probably still quite concerned about the food laws still concerned about the Jewish calendar. But it might not have been exclusive to the Jewish Christians. Just think about a Gentile Christian uh, who has been um, converted, has become a Christian, has left pagan worship in the pagan temples uh, and joined the church and and become a a wholehearted, all-in follower of Jesus. They know that meat sold in the market was used in worship in the temple. So they've gone, I'm going to only eat vegetables. I want no part of that anymore. Or maybe they remember just how much drink was drunk at those times. And they're going to say, I'm I'm becoming teetotal. The calling of us as a church is to live together in love under Christ, even when we disagree on disputable matters. How do we do it? Romans 14 gives us two principles. First one, don't look down on others. Open your hearts to them. Don't look down on others, open your hearts to them. Because our tendency, when we disagree with somebody, is to look down on them. Verse 3, the one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does. What are we to do instead? Was the first word of Romans 14. Accept. That is my frustration with the English language, because accept just sounds a bit like put up with and then avoid. But that's not the reality behind the word that's used there. Instead, it's, it's asking us to warmly welcome, to open up our hearts and our homes to others. They are brothers and sisters in Christ. 
we don't look down at others. We don't fault find. We don't think others are a bit silly or a bit simple. We open our hearts to each other. It's what God has done for us in Christ. Whether you're a meat eater, whether you're a vegetable eater. Paul says at the end of verse 3, God has accepted them. He's warmly welcomed them. He's opened his heart to them. He treats them as his children. Those who might hold differently to us on a whole range of different disputable matters belong to Jesus. Not because of what they do or don't eat. Not because of what days they do or don't recognize. Not because of whether they drink or not. Because they have faith in Jesus Christ. Paul talks to them in verse 15. For someone for whom Christ died. You look around this room this morning. It's filled with individuals for whom Christ has died. They are those who, like you and I, are seeking to live life with Jesus as Lord. Verse 7. It says, For none of us lives for ourselves alone. None of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For us to be able to live like this, what's the reason Jesus died on a cross and was raised from the tomb? And if we're serious about having Jesus as our Lord, as him taking first place in our life, him directing our decision-making, then we will find that we're going to land in different places on different things, whether it's diet or days, whether it's yoga or casinos. A good rule of thumb for us, you know, ourselves, is if Jesus was standing right next to you, would you still be doing what you were doing? Jesus might not be physically right next to us, but he is present with us. God's Holy Spirit dwells within us. And let's not forget that one day, Paul says, quoting Isaiah 45, verse 12, we will give an account of ourselves to God. We must never look down on each other because we are not the judge. Jesus is the judge. And one day we will stand before him. But if your faith is in him, because of his death, because of his resurrection, that day holds no terror for you. We've already heard in Romans, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But don't let that make you think Jesus is not interested in what you think, what you say, what you do. How are we to live together in love under Christ, disagreeing on disputable matters? First principle, don't look down on one another. Open your hearts to each other. Second principle, don't trip others up. Build them up. Now, just imagine at the end of uh, our time together, I announce we're all going for a walk through the fields. Uh, you're going to find two things, probably, if we did that. Cows. Not a massive fan of cows, I'll admit that. They tend to chase you. And mud. Plenty of mud. Now, I want you to imagine you're in the field, and there is just a bog of mud. And to get through it, you need a helping hand. And you're with your friends. What do you expect? Th them to kind of help you through it. You help one another. And then just imagine if your friend instead is just sticking their leg out to trip you over or pushing you over in the mud. That's not how it goes, is it? Same in church life. Don't trip others up. Build them up. You may well be somebody sitting here this morning who knows the freedom you have in Christ. How do you know somebody who truly knows freedom in Christ? You can tell them by when they are happy at the drop of a hat to give up their preferences and their rights to somebody else. It's a way of Jesus. 
It's the way of love. It's part of being a living sacrifice that pleases God. We're to make up our own minds on disputable matters and to be clear in our thinking. But we're also, verse 13, to make up our minds not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. We see in these verses, Paul was absolutely convinced that all food was on the menu. But then he also says, in verse 21, it is better not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. If we stand on our right to be right, it could lead a Christian brother or sister, somebody Jesus has died for, to do something that in their mind is wrong. And look what that, hap- look what that involves, verse 23. Whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat, because they're eating, if their eating is not from faith, and everything that does not come from faith is sin. Don't trip others up. Build others up. That's kingdom culture. And it flies in the face of our individualistic culture. Uh, to live this out does not come easily, which is why in verse seven, uh, 19, you see what it says? Make every effort. I, this is not easy. Make every effort is what you're thinking on mile two of a marathon. You've got to make every effort to, you know, you've got to put in the effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. It means a great thing to have in your mind and to be praying when you walk through those doors on a Sunday morning, when you walk into your home group, whenever you meet with other Christians, is how can I be the biggest encourager I could possibly be? How can I build others up today? Sometimes, The way you'll do that is by keeping your mouth closed. Like Paul says in verse 22, whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. And putting some of my thoughts on this passage uh, together, admittedly I was doing it last night, having been on holiday um, last week. um, It was less disputable matters, was my experience last night. It was more distractible matters, because I was trying to do it and watch the rugby at the same time. But actually, it told me something. Why are we putting? Why do we? Why is there a whole chapter about how we live together in love when we can disagree on so many things? Why do we need to pay attention to that? Because disputable matters can become a massive distraction, even more distracting than the rugby. Verse 17: The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. We don't look down on others. We open our hearts to each other. We don't trip others up. We build each other up. We belong to Jesus. We heard last week, our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Let's not be distracted from Jesus. Let us not be distracted from making him known. Let us not be distracted from putting him on display in our life together from a watching world. Let us not be distracted from encouraging and helping each other be more and more like Jesus. Let's not look down on others, but open our hearts to them. Let us not trip others up, but build each other up.